Throughout the ages, diseases have caused pain, misery, and death around the globe. But why must we suffer this way? If God created everything good in the beginning, how did such bad diseases come to be? Stay tuned. We just don't see any room in the scripture for disease being part of his original creation. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. From tuberculosis to heart disease to cancer, we are afflicted with so many types of horrible diseases. But why do such things even exist? And what about new diseases? How do they form? Listen in for the next 15 minutes as we examine the origin of diseases and discover why new diseases just keep showing up. So just what are we talking about when we say disease? Dr. Joe Francis, professor of biology at the Master's College in California, explains. I think it's easy for us to define it in terms of what causes disease, like bacteria or viruses. But we have to remember that not all diseases or illness are caused by bacteria or viruses. We could just have an imbalance in our system. So from a creationist point of view, I would say it's something altered from the normal. It's something different from what God intended. You know, the the body would act different from what it was normally created or intended to act. And diseases can strike from within our bodies and from without. Mutation's one one aspect of it, but any part in our body can break down for any reason. It could wear out. It could be the wrong part in the first place. It just was put in early on by the development process and it wasn't the right part and it breaks down later in life. So there's a lot of origins of disease. And of course, when we get into things that cause disease, like creatures that cause disease, like microbes, then we can talk about bacteria and viruses invading the body. And so we have that kind of origin of disease where we have creatures that invade the human body from the outside. And we could even include allergens like pollen that can invade the body and cause problems. So we have kind of really two categories there, of processes that break down internally for whatever reason, and cause disease, and outside entities that get into the human body and cause problems. Dr. Alan Gillen, professor of biology at Liberty University, explains these categories as infectious and non-infectious diseases. Infectious diseases are those that can be spread by contagion, whether it's a, a virus, a bacteria, a fungus, a parasite. Those all can be spread person-to-person, animal-to-person, environment-to-person. But in non-infectious diseases, those are generally diseases where the body begins to break down, whether it's due to genetics, poor lifestyle habits, smoking, excessive drinking, choices of non-exercise. All those lifestyle factors certainly can be correlated with non-infectious diseases. However, as Dr. Francis tells us, diseases were not always a reality of life. The first chapter in Genesis tells us that God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. So what brought bad things like diseases into God's perfect world? A straightforward reading of Genesis would suggest that diseases were the result of the fall. Death came into creation and many diseases left unchecked will lead 
to a shortened life or, or even immediate death. And because God declared everything as very good, we just don't see any room in the scripture for disease being part of his original creation. So, again, a straightforward literal reading of Genesis, in my opinion, and in the opinion of many creationists, it leaves no room for any diseases before the fall. It just is not consistent with the words, very good. So then, how could disease-causing organisms have been present in the Garden of Eden? As ICR retired biologist Dr. Ken Cumming explains, many of these bacteria and viruses had beneficial uses in creation, but now appear to be altered from their original purposes. Bacteria, for example, in the digestive tract, Escherichia coli, E. coli for short, that particular organism is very influential and important in our digestion in terms of producing vitamins for us. So it's a necessary, important component to our digestive tract flora, and it's very helpful to us. Not that we couldn't supplement it with the vitamins, the B vitamins, uh, to bypass that, but they perform other important functions, such as decomposition or breakdown of other food materials which are in the digestive tract at the same time. So the flora that we have in our digestive tract normally or in our respiratory tract normally is in equilibrium or in accommodation with the host. And it's only when they mutate and take on a new characteristics that can become invasive that they become disease-forming and disease-causing. And, as Dr. Francis tells us, some harmful bacteria and viruses aren't altered at all, but are simply in the wrong place. They were created to be in one place to perform a good function, and now they have spread to another place where they actually cause problems. And this is consistent with Genesis. Actually, I'd say very consistent with Genesis, because Genesis shows that weeds came forth in the garden once the curse was on the garden. And as creationists, we do not believe that weeds were created after the fall, we believe they were created with the plants, probably had a beneficial function. But one theory is that in the garden, they just ended up being in the wrong place. And so we're finding the same thing with bacteria, especially bacteria, that many of them appear to be in the wrong place when they're causing disease. If we take them out of that place and look at them where they're doing good things, we pretty much see the same bacteria. But what do evolutionists say about disease origins? Dr. Gillen says the different worldviews of creationists and evolutionists are strongly present when it comes to disease biology, even though the scientists are looking at the same evidence. There are mutations. There are changes in the human body. Evolutionary biologists would see that some mutations, according to them, are beneficial. We would see that the mutations, at best, are beneficial in a context, not beneficial to the organism over the long haul, and we basically are seeing disease as a result of a long-term degeneration and decay and corruption by, if you will, mixed genetic seeds from other sources, and evolutionary biologists see diseases occurring in some ways by mutation and horizontal transfer of genes, but they like to see that some organisms are actually getting better over time, and we say things aren't getting better. We think that things are either getting worse or just merely changing their status over time.
When discussing the origin of diseases, we understand that they began because of the corruption of sin in the world. But what about new diseases? How do we acquire them? Dr. Gillen explains. There does seem to be a number of factors that predict new disease. One is when there's a radical changing of the environment, when there is change in lifestyle, when there are new circulating, if you will, genes. And so as those things get added in a mix, we often see diseases arise. What I think has happened since creation and the fall of man is that we have kind of a slow and gradual degeneration of different microbial types. We see the human body, based on genomic evidence, deteriorating, and so our immune system is not what it used to be, perhaps in the beginning. And we also see unusual mixing of uh, microbes themselves, one with another, whether it's in the hospital environment or other places, they can actually swap genes through uh, lateral transfer or horizontal gene transfer. And so all this, if you will, mixing of genetics, changing environments, selection pressures, we see new diseases emerging, popping up, and giving man difficulty. And, as Dr. Cumming tells us, new diseases, as well as some old familiar ones, travel with people around the world. With the mobility of humans around the globe, we now have transport of these organisms from infected areas to non-infected areas, and especially tuberculosis. In the United States, tuberculosis was practically eliminated with very strict quarantine and control agents. Now, uh, with a tremendous number of illegal immigrants coming into the country that are not being screened for communicable diseases, we have a serious problem of the expansion of these formerly controlled agents in the United States. And we're very susceptible because we haven't developed as a nation with these organisms present such that we have resistance to them so we become very susceptible to them. Not unlike the diseases that were transported by the Europeans coming to the United States, the Indians became very susceptible to the diseases of Europe, which they weren't exposed to previously. As horrible as so many diseases are, and as frightening as they can be, Dr. Gillen tells us that there is a spiritual disease which is much worse than any physical disease that mankind has ever known. Unfortunately, because of what Adam did in the garden, not only did he have to end up paying a price for physical disease and suffering, but Adam and all of his descendants, which include us, have a separation from God. So not only has there been a physical disease that has entered mankind since the beginning, but there is also a spiritual disease that the Bible calls sin, and that is going to result in eternal punishment for those who do not get the remedy, uh, the cure, if you will. But the good news is that we have a cure for this terrible disease called sin, and this cure is available to everyone who receives it. Although man has sinned and uh, committed a, a grave situation for himself, fortunately, God 
has stepped into history and provided a remedy for himself. And we read in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So it turns out that God, who was the creator, also steps into history to become Savior, but he's also the great physician. And, and I think that's marvelous news. He not only can redeem us from our sin and our eternal death with salvation, but he also promised us that in the future, this curse is going to be removed, Eden's going to be regained, that God is going to wipe away all plagues and disease because he is the great physician. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.